Welcome to the Black Hat Chat podcast with Lee Johnson and Reverend Kai, a weekly show about living as a modern crafter where two witches discuss a variety of topics concerning magic and witchcraft. You can also catch us live on Fridays at 4pm GMT on YouTube or Twitch. The links are in the description of the podcast or in the about section. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea and let's begin. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night to everybody, wherever you are around the world. This is the Black Hat Chat, which is a collaboration between myself, Lee Johnson, or Red Oak, and my good friend over there, Rev Kai. And we're just basically two witches that like to get together long distance and uh, chat about magic and witchcraft over a cup of coffee or hot chocolate and a tea. Yeah, I've got my coffee at the moment. I'll have hot chocolate later. And yes, <laughs> <I've got> tea. <laughs> Big mug today. <laughs> <laughs> um, just some quick announcements. Uh, firstly, if you haven't joined our Facebook group, uh, the Wildwood Temple, um, you might enjoy it. It's just a safe community where witches can talk about anything they want to. And you'll find the link in the description. Now, a big announcement, which we are going to, well, I'm going to actually announce later. I'm just going to let you in a little bit here. We have some very exciting things that we are developing on Patreon and Buy Me A Coffee. Um, it, depending on what platform you prefer, you can choose either. It will be the same on both. Um, but we are developing some very, very interesting and fun things. But I'm not going to tell you about it now because I'm cruel. <laughs> we'll talk about it right after intermission yeah so uh stick around and then you'll find out now last week we spoke about divination and we decided it's it's just one of those topics that really needs a lot of time so we are going to carry on with divination today part two the sequel and uh, so I think let's get into straight into that. Um, all right. I would actually like to start with the topic that you were speaking about regarding emotions. And uh, I, I think most people know if you if you are, uh, you know, new to the channel and everything else, I'm from South Africa. And if you've been watching the news, South Africa has been in a bit of a well, in a bit of shit, um, with riots and everything else. Now, when it comes to divination, that I mean, it's it's an incredibly emotional thing. Uh, not just for somebody who's living in South Africa, and not just for somebody who's actually in the areas where it's being affected most. I'm not being affected. It's very quiet around here. But this week, I have been drained. I have been depressed. I've been anxious. It's just been an absolutely insane, insane week. So, you know, emotionally, when it comes to divination, bringing emotions into it can actually um, sway uh, the results, uh, I'd say. 
Yeah. So the difficult thing about divination is in order to ask, you need to be concerned. You need to be, you need to have an emotional reason to ask whatever divination method, right? And the bigger that emotional reason, the more attachment, the more personal it is, the better results you will get, just like any other form of magic. The more emotional attachment, the more intensity, the more personal relation you can put into your magic, the better results you will get. That's the power that runs the connection. The problem is, when it's time to interpret it, you got to take all that out. You need to be fairly cold and clinical, but most importantly, you need to not care what the answer is. So that you can yeah. get an unbiased understanding so that your interpretation is not just, you know, an emotional mess of what you want or what you fear. Both of those drive very heavily along the lines and can really make us screw up our interpretations. Mm -hmm. So with something like, you know, what's going on in South Africa, I'm more removed than you are. But I'm worried about you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't want anything bad to happen to you. And that's my connection. That's my emotional way in to be able to ask the question. But it's also something that could be difficult to remove. I've had a lot of practice doing it, but still I know, you know, there's some things I don't read on because they're too close. Um, you know, I don't do any divination about my kids' lives. Mm. I, I'm too close. I could, I could read their birth charts and, and all that sort of thing, but I don't. Because I will not get accurate answers and I will have problems with it. Now, the easiest solution for this problem is have someone else do the divination, right? Because if you're emotional about it, you can help establish the connection. A skilled diviner can piggyback on that emotional energy connection. And then uh, they yeah. don't have the concern and the emotion. They don't have the, the concern for outcome. So they can give you an accurate interpretation. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, that's not always the way it works. And then we have another problem in that reading for something like the situation in South Africa, what the, is the outcome going to be? There is a lot of emotion just evolved in that situation. How many people are feeling super, super strongly about it right now? Mm. That makes it much, much harder to kind of get through and get a clear connection. Yeah, because you're sort of riding on there, everybody's emotions. Yeah, and it's it's a big lump it's like the difference between you know taking um a chartered car where there is a chauffeur driving you in the front behind a screen and being on a subway that is completely overcrowded you're still going to get there but the experience on the way and the clearness of your head in the process is very different mm. you know because there's a lot of influence going on now there is a branch of astrology that is for looking at those big huge things called mundane astrology kind of a, a weird name 
in our time. We don't associate the mundane with that. But that means those big political shifts and that sort of stuff, large, huge country things. And those are fun to do. One of the areas of astrology I'm very interested in. But you want to look before, not during. Mm. Um, which is another thing that comes up a lot for readers. I don't know how many people, um, when I tell them something bad happened to me, oh, my tire blew up on the highway or something like that, you know, they're like, well, you're a psychic. Didn't you see it coming? And no, because I didn't look. Mm -hmm. I'm fortunately not just getting a constant download of information about what is happening in the universe. I am to a certain degree, but you know, I figured out how to deal with that since I was a teen. But um, if I let that go all the time, I would be massively overwhelmed and not able to live a normal life. No, it'd be crazy. So I don't see things unless I go looking for them, unless I look mm -hmm. into a situation. And that can be very, very true when it comes to uh, big politics and nation states and, you know, stuff like that. Now, like 2020 and COVID and all of that stuff, astrologers have been talking about that particular configuration for hundreds of years because uh, it stands out because it's a, a massive sea change um, in cycles. So that one I knew about just because I read other texts and other astrologers to learn my craft so you know there's a lot of factors involved in in those kinds of questions and in divination in general yeah i think i think the whole thing about um it being similar to magic as well um i mean you try and do magic for yourself quite often if you aren't if you're not trained properly it, it you kind of it's, it's it becomes that whole lust lust after results things mm -hmm. lust after result thing. <laughs> um, but I mean, I've even found this week things just are not moving. You know, you do magic, and this it's like I'm going to say chaotic energy. I don't really like saying chaotic energy because I have a different interpretation of chaos. But it is this this chaotic energy that's everywhere, and anything I've been doing is just getting stuck because it hits this barrier and it just won't go anywhere. Um, I felt it easing up a bit during the week because um, people, as I said earlier, people are starting to come together now and uh, actually work together to resolve the problems. Um, but it's just been so hectic. But there's, it is that personal connection. You need that personal connection to do magic. You need it to do divination. Because if you don't have the personal connection, you don't have the desire, you don't have the will, you don't have the drive, um, which you know drives the the actual spell work. But if you can't pull yourself away from or, or make yourself objective, then it just doesn't go very far at all. Uh, let me just go over to the chat quickly. Andrea, uh, Rihanna said, "What's up, Lee?" I'm here. Hello. Um, <laughs> And um, she's back. Sorry to hear about the essay problems. Don't want, like watching the news because skewing done by politics. Yeah, they they do that quite often. But uh, it's been a bit been a bit bad here. Hello, Miss B. How are you? 
Um, Andrea, we'd be overwhelmed if we were on on all the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, Kai and I often say we we should, don't have to be on all the time. We can talk about crap, mundane stuff as well. We don't just always have to talk about magic. The same thing, really. Um, you don't want to be channeling constantly because you'll just go insane at the end of the day. Um, and Kai just said what I was going to again. <laughs> yeah, no, this week was horrible. Uh, it was a push and a pull, feeling weak, ups and downs. Yeah, exactly. I think everybody's been feeling it. Uh, it's just been crazy. Yeah, well, it's intense when stuff like that happens, you know, mm. and the closer you are to it emotionally or physically, the more intensely it's going to affect you. Um, which is why when doing things like divination and mundane astrology, you try to look before. And sometimes the best we can grab is right at the beginning, as soon as we hear about something. But, you know, I, I heard about this a couple weeks ago when I was following an astrologer in South Africa, and he was talking about his weekly readings for the country. You know, so he was looking ahead, that sort of thing. Um, but now that it's been going on and it's been intense and everybody has feelings about it and, mm. you know, worldwide, trying to look into it now, especially with something like tarot or something like that is going to be more difficult, not impossible, but more difficult. Mm. Now, what you can do in situations like this instead of trying to divine for the outcome of the situation or the the fate of the country is focus very very small and how will i fare through this how is my life affected by this in that case mm -hmm. that's pretty easy because you're not trying to go through and with that giant pile of chaotic energy I, I, mm. I agree there's not really a better word for it, but it's just it's because everybody's having intense feelings and they're not all lined up. Um, yeah. But focusing on a very small, very narrow thing is possible during those times because that is what you're very passionate about. Very, very passionate about down at the heart of things is how is this really going to impact me? You know, mm. what role do I have to play? And that's clear enough to get through. It's almost like the connection's closer. You don't have to reach so far. Mm -hmm. And when you're reaching far and it's just being slammed with all this bullshit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot easier to do. Um, oh, just by the way, everybody, if you're interested, Kai is going to do a reading for me at some stage. Um, and Kai does not pull any punches when she does readings. So... Okay. It might be quite entertaining. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I can't. I Long ago, I, I tried to learn that nice reading style. Um, mm. When I, I worked on psychic hotlines for a while. And it's like any other kind of hotline. People do not call for truth. <laughs> they call for entertainment. Right? Mm. And um, so I tried to learn to do that. And I was terrible at it. Absolutely terrible at it. <laughs> yeah. so eh, what what comes through comes through what i see is what i see you know 
Well, I think I think that's that's important though. I mean, if somebody does go for a reading, you know, they're they're going to find out what their life's about and where it's going and what direction it's taking. So, you know, you want to if you want to know, you want to know. If if you don't want to know, if you just want somebody to pamper you and, and give you a whole lot of bullshit, then why bother in the first place? Well, you know, there is the the going for comfort and going for entertainment. And sometimes when I work psychic fairs still, I have clients sit down that are quite clearly there for entertainment. They are not there seeking spiritual truth. Mm -hmm. And I ask them, are you here for an entertaining time? Or are you looking to connect with some, you know, deep truth? And depending on their answer, I will, you know, sometimes say, oh, I'm not the reader for you. Or, um, well, let's just lightly look at this then. We'll do something very small and I'll gloss over um, anything deep. But, you know, I, I'm a big fan of if you don't want to know, don't ask. Mm. And you really need to consider that before you do divination. Whether you're consulting with someone else or you're doing your own divination. Now, I, I will say... Everyone should try to do divination on their own. It's one of those skills I think you need to explore. I think especially mm. when you're starting magic, <laughs> you should try out all the divination methods you can figure out. Really. Because you never know what's going to click for you, what's going to make sense, what's going to speak. And that doesn't mean everybody develops that skill. Just like in school, we all learn mathematics, we all learn writing, we all study history. Not all of us go on to be professional writers or, you know, high-level mathematicians or anything like that. But you need to explore it and you need to try. Mm. Yeah, I've actually found with, with tarot, I mean, I can read tarot. Um, but when I, when I do get it, when I do actually read it, Let's put it this way, when I read it and I actually know what the hell it's saying, then it's quite accurate. But quite often I'll I'll start having a look at the cards and it just, nothing comes, just doesn't make sense. It's just, you know, there's no message, there's just absolutely nothing. And I've got no idea where to go, for, go to from there. I mean, do I just pick up the cards, shuffle them again and try again? Or do I just leave it and come, to, come back to it another day? You can... Try again, um, but when you try again, try a different question. Because yeah, a lot yeah. of times, answers like that in divination are either you didn't connect, which that's just, you know, magic skill. And you should learn mm. to feel that, just like you learn to feel if a spell went off or didn't, or if a mm. ritual connected or didn't. Um, but the other thing is you asked a bad question. And... <laughs> We ask bad questions all the time in divination. Um, most divination, I find, the vast majority of sy systems are very literal in answering your question. You know, mm. if you say, uh, should I do Y or X, the tarot is going to give you garbledygook because you didn't provide any conditions. <laughs> and mm. should I is a, a terrible question. What do you mean? Do you mean, will you get greater benefit? Do you mean it'll hurt less? Do you mean it'll be safer? Do you mean you'll have a better joy experience? You know, there's a lot of, mm. lot of factors. 
So figuring out how to phrase a good question to get the answer you're really after is one more skill in the divination bucket that you've got to develop. And reword. And reword. Yeah, so mm. when you get you get static back, which happens sometimes, you, you make the, you know, cosmic phone call and one's on the other end of the line. Mm. You know, mm. you may have not connected, but most likely you asked a crappy question. And so the answer was just as garbled as your question was. Yeah, true. Uh, let's go back to the chat. Rihanna, Lee's outcome is a tutu and fairy dust, yes. Never seen that once for you. <laughs> it might happen one day. I think Rihanna's determined. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Andrea said the Ogregore is very powerful and so intense that it can pull us about. So perhaps a little personal light and love. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't see anything wrong with a little light and love every now and again. Just to uh pull things out of the darkness when they get a bit too dark. I like the darkness, but yeah. Balance in all things. Balance in all things, yeah. Um, Andrea as well. I had a terrible experience, but this person only wanted me to tell her that she was on the right path. Yeah. Um, but it was a gi ginormous crossroads, and I could only be honest. She didn't want the truth. It ended so badly. I see her sleeping on the streets now. I don't feel good about the situation. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a problem that all readers actually come up with. Well, readers like Kai who, um, you know, see the truth and the truth comes up. Sometimes it's not always nice. Um, but at the same time, if that person is forewarned, they might be able to do something about it to prevent that. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the other side of that is that, you know, as Andrea said, she just wanted to know if she was on the right path. When you tell her, tell somebody they're not on the right path, then they'll, they'll fight against that and they'll go to someone. You've said it before, they'll go to someone else and they'll, they'll go to some, another person, another person, another person until they get the answer they want. And then eventually they just believe they're on the right path. And then all of a sudden, wham, the truth comes along and they're not prepared. Yeah. So when reading for people, I usually see way more than I say. Um, just because it may not be something they're ready to hear or may not be something they're asking about. Or there are some things you just don't tell people, you know. Um, mm. And that is a skill when you're reading for other people that you you have to learn it's like learning studying to be a therapist or a counselor or any of those interpersonal skills you need to study from someone else that does it successfully and learn how to read with tact you know mm. now i i don't pull any punches and i tell people that and i'm you know people that are tentative i'm always like are you sure you want to know this but for me, what becomes really important after that bad news drop is, okay, let's work on some solutions now. Let's work on some possibilities, you know, and my regular clients, they don't book singular question readings with me anymore. They just book a chunk of time because we end up throwing 20, 30, 40 spreads <laughs> 
asking all these little questions of, okay, so here's my plan now. What's the outcome if I do that? Ooh, ooh, I don't like that bit. Okay, let me adjust. You know, what if I go like this, you know, and oh, well, that looks good, but there's not enough information about this piece. Okay, so let's ask this question. And that's really how I approach divination for myself, too, especially when I'm doing like pre spell work divination. Mm. It's all about this conversation and getting all the pieces of information and adjusting as I go based on the information I get back. I mean, if I'm not going to make changes, why am I asking? <laughs> you know? So, yeah. you know, don't be afraid to to work through a lot of questions. You don't have to have the perfect question that is the only communication, period. You have to have good questions. Mm -hmm. But I very much see divination like a dialogue and working working with whoever's on the other end of the cosmic telephone to figure mm -hmm. out what they know and what you know and how to find the path and the outcome that you're seeking. Well, that's really why you do, well, why we're doing it in the first place is to, you know, find out that outcome. Um, you know, I think you can, you can have a reading or whatever it is and they'll say X, Y, and Z is going to happen. You don't just stop there. And go go home and and you know get into your blankets and go oh well that's me for the rest of my life um you've got to find a solution and in order to find a solution you've got to work work around that and try and find the answer to it uh all right chat again because it's it's filling up to the top um hello amelia how are you uh andrea I did try to tell her she kept coming back to me, so I, I so I so tried to warn her. Kai tack didn't work on this last. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't. I think if a person keeps coming back to you over and over and over again, expecting a different answer, what's that saying? Uh, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, it's a sign of madness and yeah. expecting a different result. Yeah. yeah. Well, so situations like that, it's really important that when you get information for someone whether you're reading um or whatever that you disconnect yourself energetically from what's going on as readers a lot of times we end up feeling responsible for people because mm -hmm. we have this information and we know they need it to better their lives and then they they don't <laughs> you know they go right down the toilet like we told them not to. And then we feel responsible. Like we didn't communicate well. We didn't say it in the right way. We just couldn't make them hear us. And that's it's not your job. It's not your yeah, job. Everybody's responsible for themselves. Yeah. And, you know, I have weekly rituals I do because I read regularly. That's, that is my job. <laughs> Reading for people and doing consultations. And I have weekly rituals I do where I cleanse myself and disconnect myself energetically from my clients and my readings. I have to. Mm. It's for my own health and safety and for theirs. You know, um, I don't want to keep that energetic connection open mm. because it'll, it'll breed unhealthy stuff. So, you know, it's important to, to let those things go when you read for other people. And it's important to do it for yourself too. And that is hard. Oh, that's hard. When you mm. do your own readings and you don't listen to them and then you feel stupid and guilty afterwards. And, 
oh that is hard but you gotta you gotta let it go and you gotta be like you know i learned something i learned what this didn't mean <laughs> i learned that i should pay attention when that comes up you gotta yeah. flip it around that way and i i guess when when people doing readings for themselves there's always that question of okay well that wasn't what i was looking for did i get a bit too emotional and therefore i'm reading it wrong and then you don't listen to the reading that you just did and you just carry on because now you think it was just you reading it wrong because you were too emotional too close to the subject as yourself well yeah. that's why when we read for ourselves we almost always have to use time as our distancing thing you know it happened here and a year later i go back and review it and that's mm -hmm. why you need journals for all this stuff but time works it provides you emotional distance if you can't do the emotional distance skill yourself yet and most of us cannot when we start you gotta work at it and build that skill you use time to to pull things back to get mm. better perspective um amelia said i had a terrible nightmare yesterday it's the first nightmare that i felt real pain i don't get them unless there's a message my dream dictionary isn't bringing me comfort can i have some help um uh if if you want to or if 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 you want want to discuss it personally you can just um send us a message um but what you can do is if you haven't joined the wildwood temple on facebook or the facebook group um and you want to get a few more perspectives um then maybe uh, join the, the facebook group and just um ask there it won't just be myself and kai there's a lot of other people there that will probably uh, have something to say as well, give you some insight. Uh, links in the description if you want to join there. Um, Andrea, I no longer do readings after this one. It is difficult. I mean, if you, as Kai was saying, you know, sometimes we, we, we feel responsible if there's a bad outcome. Um, but everybody, it's the same with magic. Everybody's responsible for themselves. Uh, you can't blame any, anybody else uh, for your own ignorance, I suppose. Well, uh, and sometimes there are things, especially in natal charts, I'll see where somebody's heading for this terrible rough patch, and there's there's nothing to be done. All roads lead to this situation. And, mm. you know, sometimes... Um, I tell people about that, that like you're going to go through this and it's going to be hard. So get some skills in your toolbox now. And sometimes I don't because looking at the rest of the chart, that's not going to be helpful to them. You know, mm -hmm. that's going to make things worse for them. So it depends on the person. It depends on the situation, depends on where they are on their path. There's a lot of factors involved in that. Um, but when we talked about fate and free will, this comes up so often when talking about divination because we're looking at what can be and what can't be and what must be and what we can change. And I don't pin myself down on either end of the spectrum because some divinations come through as here make all the changes you want and some come through as this is it 
no mm. other options. So, you know, I don't know. Everything in there. Yeah, that thing that is a bit difficult. I mean, we can talk about different uh, timelines, different parallel realities. Um, you know, a divin divination says one thing. Can it actually be indicating something that's happening on a parallel? And not on the specific reality or the specific timeline. Well, or is it is, is it going to be directly uh, indi or direct indication of what's happening here and now with this one? I think the way that most people make energetic connections to do their divination, it's connected to what their current experience is. That's mm -hmm. how that emotional ride connection works. Now. I've seen techniques and I've done techniques to look into other potentials and jump time streams or slow time streams down or speed them up or splice bits together. Um, but that's not spontaneous information I didn't go looking for. I started with that idea in mind mm. of this chunk of the time stream coming up looks really crappy. Let me see if I can find something else to paste over that you know, that sort of thing. But that's that's a kind of spell divination, not just I turn my cards for today and it's talking about a parallel universe. Mm. I actually see divination very much like healing. I actually think it is a, a healing practice. Um, because when you are looking at someone's path and the possibilities that are coming up, um, you know, healing doesn't just have to be physical. Uh, it can be emotional. It can be spiritual. It can be the direction you're taking. You know, if you're taking a bad direction, you want to actually actually heal that direction. Um, and I, I definitely see divination as a healing practice. Um, yeah. I, I agree. Well, divination done well. And, you know, if you're, if you're talking to a diviner or you are a diviner reading for a client... You do that healing right then and there. When that information comes through, you work with it, you transform it, you help people deal with the bad things that are coming and, and so on and so forth. But if you're doing it with yourself, you play both sides of the table. You sit in both chairs. And so the hard part especially comes when we do a divination for ourselves and we get a bunch of bad news and there's no one to turn to especially for people in the closet um, who don't have a working partner or a working community. Because if we go to someone and be like, I, I'm really worried about this, this, and this, they're like, well, where'd you get that information? And you can't tell them, oh, I read tarot cards this morning. That makes it even harder to have that conversation. Mm. So, you know, it has an emotional impact as it should. I mean, we have an emotional connection in order to ask the question in the first place. But it's important to to do the healing component for yourself. Mm. You know, don't just let it go and, and feel the pain and then worry and anxiety and everything else. You know, yeah. you've got to do the other side of the equation. Now, good news happens and that can cause problems too. I've had people do divinations for themselves and be like, oh, I don't have to work this month because I'm going to get a bunch of money. Well, mm. 
one, I'm not real sure that's what it said, <laughs> but you know, that's not necessarily a healthy way to approach that reading because then they don't work. They don't get the money because the, they changed based on, you know, the flow of information. And then they're like, you know, in trouble because they didn't get the money and they can't pay their bills or it, it's shot their sense of self, you know, um, about their, their skill as a diviner or even worse, their skill as a witch. Because mm. a lot of people, they get two or three bad tarot readings in a row when they're starting and they're like, well, I can't do this. I'm not a witch. I'm like, mm, just one, one skill. Don't give, you know, give up the whole ghost. But, you know, it's, it's not just the bad readings and the scary information. It can be all sorts of things that happen. Yeah. Uh, Andrew said, thank you both. I feel better about this one now. I felt so bad because she, she'd not listened to me. Um, yeah, now, as, as we said, you're not responsible for, you know, if somebody won't listen to you and take the direction you're actually giving them. I mean, I do candle, candle workings for a lot of clients. And I have the same thing there. Every now and again, somebody comes along and they keep coming back, asking for the same thing. And I, I can see there's actually no need for it. And I'll, I'll tell them, you, there's something else that's going on. It's not what you think it is. And they're just determined. And they won't listen to me, so they just keep coming back and spending their money on me. And I'm trying to tell them not to, but it's not my problem. But at the same time, I then get another client uh, had for the past few months who is trying to move in a particular direction and get the ideal, the, her dream job and everything else. And she comes back once a month just to push that energy forward a bit more and make sure there's no more blockages and things like that. And we've cleared the blockages up and she's moving forward amazingly. Um, but yeah, you just get those ones that just won't listen to you. So well, not much you can do about it. So there is this phenomenon, especially in the psychic world, of people who receive information that they feel they just have to tell others. Mm. Unbidden. And I think there's an ethical question here. I used to do that. I, I would get psychic hits about people, especially when I met them and I'd shake their hand and that sort of thing. I'd get all this information. And when that first began, I felt like I needed to tell the other person. Like, you know, oh, I see your grandma's going to die in two weeks. I'm so sorry. That's not cool. No, that's not cool. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> um, Comes back to tact. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's tact, but it's also ethics. Before yeah. you tell someone something that you've gotten, no matter how, psychic hits or, or targeted divination or anything, you need to know that's what they need and or want to hear. You know, and like sometimes people will be in divination with me and I'll be reading through their chart and I'll be like, well, this section is about, you know, um, a situation with your childhood. Do you want to go into that now? Because maybe they don't. Maybe they're mm -hmm. not, you know, they don't want to hear it. And especially in, in public, um, you know, uh just general meeting people, even when I get information about them, I don't always reveal that I got information. Sometimes it's, if it's very insistent, 
and it comes with the, um, you know, tell them, tell them, tell them kind of energy, I will say, by the way, I'm a psychic and, you know, um, I'm getting some information about this. Do you want to hear it? Are you in a place where you can hear it? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I get, what the fuck? No, <laughs> that's people's no. reaction. Ooh, what? Eh. And okay, that's it. That's, that's the end of my responsibility. Yeah, you know, as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And that does mean occasionally I have to go back to ancestors and, and the mighty dead and gods and goddesses and say, sorry, I couldn't do it. I'll pay field, whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and sometimes I get my ass scorched for that. But mm-hmm. in the long run, the not telling people things they don't agree to hear that they don't ask for makes for a massively happier life than when I just vomited stuff onto people without their consent. That was, that Mm -hmm. was not okay. And I feel like it's a phase a lot of people go through early on when their intuition wakes up and they figure out how to do divination and all of a sudden the plug plugs in and everything comes through all the time until we figure Mm -hmm. out how to control the dampers and turn it off and on, you know, so just that's my experience i've talked to other psychics that have similar experiences of just you know unloading on people and then learning oh that was not a good thing Mm. so and i think a lot of people plug in like that whether they're looking to be a professional diviner or not yeah no i know people who uh you know walking around the shop and somebody brushes past them and they've got to you know they get the message from grandma Mm-hmm. whoever it is and it's 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 difficult sometimes for them because they can't it's that drive they have to go do it but they know they can't so yeah not easy at all um andrew said uh yeah she could have charged for the reading yeah she could have. uh she might not have come back so many times then <laughs> uh she kept asking me about her baloke she wanted me to tell her that he was the one, but he was the problem. Yeah. Uh, oh, that comes a up a lot. A lot. A lot. Yeah. So, charging for readings. Obviously, I believe it's okay to charge for readings. Um, mm. Because I believe it's a skill that I have worked hard to develop. I've spent a lot of time studying. I've spent a lot of money on classes and certifications and teachers and that sort of thing, too. I, I've dedicated lots and lots of my life to doing divination and learning all those extra skills about how to be nice to people and how to help them through situations and you know when to talk about the right things Um, those are all skills that i've had to build so i think a money exchange for that application of my skill is is fair Mm -hmm. Um, but there's another component to charging and that is energy exchange. So when people pay money for something, they are giving energy because they spent time and energy making that money that now is this token, this representation, this bundle of that investment of a portion of their life. And so when Mm -hmm. they give that to you and you give them a reading, you have an equal energy exchange. 
And when you have an equal energy exchange, the connection cancels out and you can let it go very easily because the balance mm. has been reset. But when you do readings absolutely for free, you give energy and rarely do they give something back. So guess what? You're on the receiving end of this drip of energy until the balance has been re-achieved, put back because the universe fills a void. And that can lead to that terrible feeling of responsibility and this concern and and so on and so forth because you're on the that slow drip end until the energy is balanced back out so i think charging for readings is an important part of magical hygiene now when you're new and you don't feel like you got a lot of skill but you want to do readings for people because that's how we build skills right we have to do it I think it is by far the best to do reading exchanges because then you're meeting that energy balance. Find somebody else who's new. Trade tarot readings, trade dream interpretations, whatever it is, because then you're each giving and you're balancing it out and you're building your skill, but you're not keeping that magical tether that causes problems. And that's why I think divination study groups are so important because you've got a pool of people to rotate through and trade readings with and you're building skills together but you're not going back and back to the same person and you're always completing those energy exchanges so that you can have clean magical hygiene but still build your skills mm. i have seen a lot of people actually say that after readings they feel drained i would imagine that would happen if you are not uh, having that proper energy exchange yeah because you're just you're just basically giving energy and not getting it back. Um, well, and, and just like healing, there's the magical hygiene thing of don't use your own energy to make those connections. Mm. Don't use your own energy to connect to the other person and, and bleed yourself out into them. You know, uh, you got to learn to channel energy from elsewhere. You got to learn to shield yourself and keep yourself separate and whole so that you don't use your own life force. But mm -hmm. I think, you know, the same thing happens in healing as it does in divination frequently. Mm -hmm. Frequently. Yeah. I don't think many people view it that way at all. Maybe not. All right, then. Shall we take a break for five minutes? Um, and we will come back with some very interesting stuff. We are going to be talking about what's happening on Patreon and buy me a coffee all the exciting stuff, and then you will find out about my choo-choo and fairy dust. So we will see you after the break. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pink choo-choo as well. All right, so we'll see you after the break, and stay here, go and grab a cup of coffee or something. Cheerio. If you would like to support us or learn more about magic and witchcraft, then check out our tiers on Patreon and buy me a coffee. That's patreon.com forward slash blackhatchat or buymeacoffee.com forward slash blackhatchat. You can join us around the hearth fire once a month for a witchy chat or sign up for some online classes in tarot and cartomancy with Reverend Kai 
or Demonolatry with Lee Johnson. Just check in the description of this podcast or in the about section for the links to those channels. And we're back. Hello, hello, hello. This is Black Hat Chat and Brandy came back just at the right point, actually, I think. Um, all right. So first of all, the announcement. Uh, what we are doing on Patreon. Oh, wait, we've got a problem. Have we, can you hear us on YouTube? Anybody, just give us a shout if you can't hear us, please. Um, all right, I'm going to carry on. So on Patreon, buy me a coffee. Uh, we have added tiers. Thank you. Okay, cool. You can hear us. All right. So we've added various tiers to the platforms. Uh, so you can go to uh, patreon.com forward slash black hat chat. Don't try the search. Just go to the straight to the URL. It's in the description below and you'll find us there or buymeacoffee.com forward slash black hat chat. Now the tiers we've added is a $1 if you just want to support us and because uh, you love us because everybody loves us we have you for it. um yeah we have <laughs> you um we then have a five dollar tier let me actually go there so my screen's going to get very bright all of a sudden um all right so we've got a five dollar tier which is the sit at the hearth fire now what that is it's basic support and what you can also do is join us once a month on a live chat and uh Ask any questions you want to. Uh, we'll try and direct the quest, the, the quest or the topic that month as well, just in case uh, everybody has millions and millions of questions about everything and can't get through them. Um, then we're, we're going to have two $15 tiers. These are going to be classes. So the one is going to be with Kai, which is going to be uh, tarot and cartomancy. And mine will be demonolatry. Now, what we're going to do is we will do a pre-recorded class video uh, lesson, and that will go up at the beginning of each month on the particular topic for that month. And the, you can then watch that. And then on the second week, Kai is going to do a live class. And on the third week, I will do a live class, uh, you know, depending on what tier you're on and what you've selected and everything else. Um, that will then cover any questions you've got. So we'll we'll discuss the topic of the month, but some people may have come in on, on a bit later and they'll watch previous videos, so they may, may have specific topics concerning that, uh, or specific questions. So that will the class the live class will cover all of that. Then we have one final tier, which is a $25 tier, which is both. So if you want to be in both classes, then you have that option as well. And that is our exciting news about Patreon and Buy Me A Coffee. So the Turo Live classes will also include exercises and time to talk about your readings and your journalings and get tips to improve that sort of thing. The idea is to improve your skill and get to be as competent a tarot reader as you want to. And we'll dive into lots and lots of different topics. And Cartomancy, I also read plain playing cards and I read Lenormand also. 
So we'll talk about all of that card reading stuff. And if you have Oracle decks and you want to learn how to read Oracle cards, we'll cover a lot of skills for that. I won't be going through any particular Oracle card because they're all different. Um, but there's a lot in there. And if this all goes well and, uh, you know, we can manage it, we may add other classes also mm. on other topics. So it's not just tarot and demonolatry forever. And yeah, we may do well, some one-offs too, like one month we may offer a pendulum class or, you know, something like that. And mine, mine's going to be focused a lot on demonolatry, but being who I am, I'll, I like to bring a lot of witchcraft, even chaos magic into it, um, Toltec, Warrior Path. So there'll be some comparative stuff as well. Um, and we will, I'll, I'll go right from the beginning, from the basics, uh, with energy work meditation, and we'll go all the way through to gate opening, ascension work, and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's that's that anyway. I was gonna right say then. you can view the Hearthfire chats as like time to sit down and chat with your community, or mm. you know, um, some experience witches and get tips and guidance on what you're doing. Um, mm. You know, when I was learning early on. Uh, my magister and my dame always had uh, one dinner a month that was check-in time where we just talked about what we were doing and what wasn't working was usually the conversation of I tried this and I tried this and, you know, or I had this experience and I have no idea what to do with it. Um, those were when we worked on that stuff and also went more in depth over things like how to do good divination and how to do invocation and you know that sort of thing the, the in-depth stuff that you need to cover um once you've figured out what it is and then you have more questions and you need to go back over it and mm. you know dig into it a bit more yeah <clears throat> all right then so uh as Andrea said, shall we find out about my pink tutu fairy dust and pink dye in the beard? <laughs> well, uh, you got a particular method in mind? I've got my cards, my pendulum, and my bones handy. I'll leave it up to you. I'll just... Whichever direction energy flow you're going in there. I have, I have given permission to Kai to be as brutal as she wants to. And I know this is a public forum, but I don't care. <laughs> well, what do you want to ask? Um, my main concern is always money, career, business. Especially at the moment. It's been so, it was dead last month, completely dead. So, how are you going to make money? Yeah, I read Bones. I tell you what, I'm going to do this with cards. And um, then after that, I'll pull out and show you my Bones and my mat and my pendulum board. That sort of thing. Because my, my overhead camera is not working to be able to see my Bones. So, oh, that's a pity. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with that. Yeah. And if you guys do want a reading from Kai, go to redpie.com. So, so this is how I normally work with a client. Um, 
I ask them to talk about what they're looking for. And then I ask questions back. Like, do you want to look at career stuff? Like, career is like big overarching. Where's the best place for me to be fulfilled and make money? Or do you want to just look at like, how am I going to get some cash in hand in the next month? Kind of thing. You know, so you can see how those are different targets and different questions. So I ask back and forth until we settle on a good question. So Yeah, I think my, mine would be more focused on, I mean, I've got a lot of things going on. I've got my web development, which I'm slowly trying to pull out of and go more in-depth into the magic stuff. Um, I also want to start up a healing practice, uh, which I should have done a long time ago. Um, but we've got the, the Puppet House, and I've got Devil Made Me in South Africa, and I've got my Etsy store, uh, which is all focused around magic and healing. So I kind of want to know what direction that's all going to go in, if it's... So you want to hindrance. leave the web development stuff out of it? We just want to focus on your magical services and wares? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Otherwise, it's going to become too much. Yeah. Okay, and we're looking at a time frame of just like a month or further out than that. Mm, say three months. Three months. Alrighty. Yeah. So, um, how are your online magical services and wares going to produce money in the next three months? Now, let's go for how can you best. How, what are the best choices? What is the information you need to know to make the best choices to produce a good profit from your online magical related services and wares in the next three months? Yeah, that sounds perfect. So that's how we get to a good question. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually difficult to get down to the, the right question if you're trying to think of it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you, you kind of want, want to know everything. Because if you ask, ask the wrong question, you know, you're not going to find out what you really want to know. All righty. No, yeah, see, Rihanna see. also wants to know about the puppet house. <laughs> <laughs> think we're going to do five spot as ideal tarot like I play poker <laughs> <laughs> okay so I've just got five cards in a line I will hold them up here since my overhead camera is not working the first one is the page of pentacles reversed page of pentacles is usually about getting some money in hand stuff coming to you getting little bits of money and since it's reversed that's not happening so the first card I turn over in any tarot reading is always my question check to make sure that uh, we are talking about the same thing. And I would say the Page of Pentacles reversed is a good explanation of your situation. You've been sitting there with hands out waiting for that pentacle to drop right into it and it hasn't been, right? Mm. You, you exactly. haven't been getting the money you need. And then we've got um, right now the situation at hand. So for this one, it is the Seven of Pentacles. Now, most people read this card as just wait a little bit and your harvest will come in. But this is one of those ones where 
I feel that's not what Pamela Coleman Smith was saying. This is in reference to a poem um, that was written about a painting that was very famous at the time that she was painting and was influential in the community scene in uh, Britain at the time that was about 15 minutes of fame uh, being a flash in the pan, suddenly getting some popularity. Um, and so this card, since it is related to Earth and Pentacles and follows our topic, and by the way, none of the other cards are Pentacles in the reading, but these first two are, I think this goes with your very recent sudden increase in subscribers and visibility on YouTube and Instagram. Mm -hmm. The Poppet House is gaining some traction. It's getting um, out there. You're getting your name known. The worry with a seven is that it's temporary. So I think the big message right there is capitalize on that. Because mm -hmm. we asked, what do you need to know to make the best choices? So we're looking for information that you can act on. And getting a seven of pentacles means this is a temporary boost in public uh, perception of you. So you're getting seen. But if you don't act on that and take advantage of that right now, that's not going to last. Uh, especially with this. Yeah. Especially with this um, in the current position, not down the line. It's really a short window. So time to work that social media uh, skill. Mm. Okay, next one. Now we've got three months, so I'm doing about a month at a time for each card here. So we've got the Knight of Cups reversed. So the Knight of Cups usually is um, all emotional, dreamy, daydreaming, working, you know, through great ideas and inspiration and bringing in that really creative side. So reverse says it is not time to create new things. You need to focus on what's already going. Now, yeah. if it were the Eight of Pentacles, that mean work, 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 do what you've been doing, make some good money, but it's specifically the Knight of Cups, which means you're dreaming up all these things right now. You're getting all of these ideas and they keep rolling into you and you're like, oh, I want to do that. Oh, I want to mm -hmm. do that. And that's not actually helping you. That's not developing cash in hand. Dreaming's cool, but you're not getting a return in a material way for it. And the interaction of these two cards next to each other um, with earth here and water here means they're mucking up each other. They're creating mm. mud and muck and a mess. and bleh. So this is temporary. You've got to capitalize on it and too much dreaming is getting you mired down from not working the fame that you do have as a potential. Okay, so for instance, the healing, I should sort of put on the back burner for now and just focus on what is actually happening now. Because the healing is something that, that came up and I wanted to develop it, but it's not something that's here right now. Yeah, this is not the time for development. This is the time for action Cap yeah capitalization on on what's available okay mm -hmm. second month we've got the ace of cups which is new ideas and healing so since you spe uh, specifically talked about healing and developing something new i think you need to wait i think you need mm -hmm. to give it at least a month 
um, which normally I wouldn't say we're in cancer season with the sun and everything else. It's totally that healing energy, but maybe not for you. Maybe that's not what's hitting as the most important thing right now. And the Ace of Cups also says passion. You got to feel that burning passion in your heart to bring it forward and manifest it. You have to fill up the cup to the point where it overflows. The five streams that come out of the cup are because it is being pushed and overflown and also because the dove is putting the holy host in the cup so there's a divine inspiration part two there's a something from the other world that is helping the cup overflow your cup mm -hmm. is not currently full and it is not spurting streams out of the top of it yet so you need to wait until that happens until the cup is running over until the divine is putting something in there that causes it to open up and go over. Okay, that makes perfect sense. And then last card, last third months, we've got the Seven of Wands. And this is an individuation card. Um, this is where we turn around and define ourselves from the pack, and we define who we are with our passion and our drive and our career. And it's a little more dampened down because it's a fire next to a cup, wand next to a cup. So that moving from that watery, passionate development phase to that individuating yourself phase is going to be steamy and uncomfortable. But it will be beneficial like sitting in a sauna, you know, and working that out. So that... Um, separate yourself off from the pack, find your niche, find where you are the one that uh, stands out in your own unique way. That's a ways down the line. That's not time to do that yet. But in month three or so, that's when you want to pick that up. Okay. Is there any, any way to specifically uh, pinpoint which um areas of the businesses i should focus on I've, I've got a feeling it should be i've got three things in mind youtube um black hat chats patreon thing um and also the puppet house okay uh let me pull uh back for each one of those topics okay so new question new shuffle um when I shuffle the cards, I have in mind how many cards I'm going to use and what the spread is going to be. And so only those cards matter in the shuffle. If I only said I was going to use five cards, anything past five cards has not been ordered to be about this topic. So that's why mm -hmm. I always, new question, new shuffle. Um, I know some people continue turning cards for clarification. Some people um, do another spread on top. And I only do that if I plan to do that. Mm -hmm. That has to happen when I'm shuffling and when I'm deciding what spread I'm going to use and what the question is. They've got to go together for me. You haven't previously communicated it to the cosmos. Right. And I haven't, I haven't given my hands and the deck and my physical action on my tools the chance to make that connection and do the thing. So I always, I always want to give them that opportunity. Yeah. Alrighty. So in this case, I'm going to stack the entire deck. 
and do cuts. So I'm going to cut the deck into three piles. Would you like me to pick a card over there? <laughs> <laughs> and turn over the top cards. And, oh, big heavy shit. Wow. Um, so first one, YouTube, we've got Justice Reverse. Now we can take this just as yes, no, maybe stuff. Because we've got two reversals and one upright. But Justice Reversed Balance. Um, and it says that, you know, your input-output is out of balance here. So you can bring that back into balance, but it's not a major focus. And then we've got Temperance Reversed Balance. This is for Patreon classes. Again, your input-output is out of balance, usually the other way. Um, then justice, whereas justice, you're putting in a lot, but not getting a lot. And with temperance, you're getting a lot, but not putting in a lot. So mm -hmm. since those are both reversed, um, those are not high areas of focus. And then the last one was the puppet house and we've got the hermit upright. So that's got the most energy. That's got the biggest push and the hermit with that little inspiration venus star is usually a very uh positive um sign for where to focus that's specifically what you ask where to focus and the hermit shines mm -hmm. a light on where to focus is the one actually holding a lantern up and saying look at that so and it's mm -hmm. the only one upright in the turn mm -hmm. cool okay yeah rihanna's very happy about that so that's how cool. I read. <laughs> there you go. Hopefully that was helpful. That was very helpful. That's the best reading I've ever had. And then I, oh, after a reading, I put my cards back in their box. And this box has uh, salt and crystals and a magnet in it. And my pendulum. But. I like uh, quartz crystals and a magnet because automatic magnetic field, super easy to cleanse stuff. I've got um, fabric and black silk and um, actually a little uh, Faraday cage made out of fine wire mesh lining the inside here. So I've got, you know, a good little cleansing container. And that way I don't have to worry about what to do with my cards between readings. This is where they live. So... And when I'm at a psychic fair, I will read for somebody and put them back in the box and kind of give it a little extra oomph energy if somebody even sits down immediately. I want them to hang out in here a little bit and cleanse between things. Um, so figure something out like that for your own tools. It doesn't need to be like blank slate cleanse, but you're making such a connection that your tools are going to hold on to that connection for a little while and so you can cleanse them manually cards you can put back in order um you know through the incense smoke is good if you're using a clearing kind of incense something do something to help cleanse your cards or your tools or whatever they are so cool all right bones show us your bones pendulum board so 
This is my bowl that I keep my bones in, but I really like it because it doubles as a scrying bowl. I found this, you know, somewhere with plant stuff, but it's super loud. And then I keep my bones in a little leather bag in the meantime. And of course they have their own crystals and magnets too. But the bones that I read for the public are these. These are white-tailed deer metatarsal bones. And they're all the same bone instead of different ones, like a lot of people read tortilage bones. Um, these are all from hunts that I have killed the deer. So these were all sacred processes that I acquired and made offerings and so on and so forth. I was a pretty avid hunter when I was younger. Um, and this is what I read for the public. I do have my own bones that are much more like he, most people are used to seeing, especially in the southern United States, where everything in there is different and they're not necessarily all bones. Um, like I have a little um, Thor's amulet and I have a coin in there and I have some teeth and I have some claws and I have um, a bundle of hair and a little doll baby doll. Um, but those are called bones. And every one of those is different and each tells its own story. And I don't read them all at once. I reach in the bag and grab a handful and only some of them come out for each reading. And then sometimes I throw on a blank mat, depending on what I'm doing. And sometimes I throw on, let's see, right side up, this thing which is just a big leather circle that I've made. This is my own UPG stuff for how I read that's got um, a certain alignment of signs and planets that tell me about different areas of topics and, and that sort of thing. And I have a system for the physical body and the house here in the center. But this is, this is my mat that I cast bones on that I like to read, and it's just developed over years and years of, of reading and figuring out what certain areas mean and, and what the map is against the bones. Um, but also, sometimes I read on a blank field uh, that's just a plain cloth. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of options when reading bones, but it's sort of if you've ever seen Aoife, um or other kinds of uh, similar divination, I take my, my tools, I put them in my hands, I pray over them, I give them life, and then I drop them on my field, and they land in certain ways, and I interpret the, the patterns and the way each one lands. And while they're all the same bone, each one is slightly different. Some are longer, some are shorter. So you do actually read the bones themselves? Like, I do like actually read the bones. Runes. Yeah, yeah not sort just, of. Not just, not just the positions and the placements and things like yeah. that. Yeah, shorter ones mean different things than longer ones and amount of involvement and that sort of thing. Um, mm. So, you know, it it's a very intuitive form of reading. This is uh, not a method I learned from a particular tradition. It is largely based on Greek divination methods. And it's something that I've adapted a lot over the years based on my own stuff. So don't take this as any kind of authority, anything. 
um, for reading. It's just what I do. Uh, but you can definitely come up with something that you do that works for you based on how you understand things and how it all goes together um, for yourself. It doesn't have to be divination through some pre-approved method like tarot or mm -hmm. pendulum or the way someone reads ohm or runes or so on and so forth. The, the way I read bones is very, very unique to me. But I think starting out, somebody should learn a system that has been pre-approved. Uh, and then once they know the system, they understand it, then obviously develop it into their own thing, really. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was also going to show off my pendulum board, just again for ideas about oh. things you can do. This is fantastic. Um, so this is my pendulum board that I've made. And after, again, years and years and years of drawing these little charts repeatedly and trying to keep a hold of this little piece of paper in this tiny bag for my pendulum and then tearing a hole in it inevitably because I folded it up and unfolded it so many times or losing it, I finally made a big board. And it's just wood burning on a, a piece of board. Um, but it's just a bunch of charts I've put together so that my pendulum can answer way more than yes, no, maybe, I don't know. Because I've got all these possibilities that my pendulum can use to answer. And I've just layered a bunch of charts together. And it is intuitive feeling that I know which ring the pendulum is talking about. Some of it's based on the question. You know, what's the weather going to be like? Obviously, we're going to talk about the weather ring. Or spell out the location of something. Well, then I'm going to be using the letters. That sort of thing. But this is a kind of possibility, too. And this comes from the International Dowsers Society. Um, there's a PDF called Letters to Robin that has a bunch of these charts, talks about how to use it, that sort of thing. So, you know, this is what I did with it, but this isn't this isn't terribly adapted from what I was taught. It's just put together on a board because um, they use a bunch of charts and that sort of thing. So, I have a question about that, mm -hmm. uh, which somebody else might have as well. Now, a pendulum swings, like, doesn't just uh, do that and then come back to the center. It swings all the way back. Uh -huh. How how do you know? I read the top half. Got, like, only the top half. Yeah. So if um, it's swinging, and this is my my horizon line. I'm sitting over mm. here and looking at it, right? I started on a 45 and the top one moves to where? And I only read the top half. I don't read the half towards me. Um, and sometimes that means the dial goes all the way around the board, but I watch it move all the way around the board. It doesn't just suddenly flip. Okay, so it's intuitive as well. Yeah, um, mm. and like I was talking about last week, when I read my pendulum, I start it swinging in the ready mm. for question thing. And then I settle down. And so I know that that top swing right there, that's the indicator. And so when it starts to move, whatever direction, I'm already watching it. I already know that's the indicator. Okay. Uh, spirit boards. Do you use spirit boards? Yep. That's, that's, there's I mean, a lot of, obviously, there's obviously a lot of crap around spirit boards. Uh, although it's not, it's not actually crap at the end of the day. I mean, it can happen that a desperate, uh, 
a something, a parasite, an other, or whatever we want to call it, can come through and attach to the board and cause a lot of mayhem. Um, well, but uh, I think the movies have just made it gone a bit crazy. Oh yeah, and I think it's some <laughs> some exoticism and some racism in there. Spirit boards are a very common tool in Northern Africa, mm. and um, you know how that all goes. It can be dark and scary Africa, which just uh, so much bullshit. Um, I'm in dark and scary Africa. Look at me. I'm bright as ever. Right? <laughs> I mean, the motherland ha has birthed, you know, many, many religions and many, many peoples. And, and they're not dark and scary by virtue of being from Africa. But mm. I really view my <laughs> pendulum board just like a, a talking board. Um, I'm just not using a planchette. I'm using a pendulum to indicate on it. You know, it's the same idea. Um, but I do definitely like the group aspect of using a talking board with a planchette. It's a lot of fun. I love group divination. I think they're great. Um, mm. uh, and of course, it's something you can only do in a physical group kind of thing. But, you know, super fun. But... <sighs> All of the, the darkness and the scare tactics and everything around talking boards, I think, is a load of crap. It's like any other tool. You know, you need to cleanse it. You need to take care of it. And you need to take care of your magical hygiene no matter what you're doing. To just sit mm. down and say, anything that's there, talk to me. Take this over. That's dumb. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like propping open the door of your house and saying, please come in. Mm. What is going to happen? Right? Mm. That's, and, and then leaving it. That's the big thing. And then leaving it. Yeah. If you set up your wards and your protection and you're just like, you're hanging out in a haunted house for the night and you want to see what's there. Yeah, you might throw open the door. But when you're done, you clean close everything it. up and you close it. Mm. You know? And so just just a little bit of magical hygiene and they are just perfectly fine divination tools. There's nothing unique to the property of a talking board that makes it more haunted or dangerous than any other tool used for divination. Mm. Now we always see in the movies that, you know, they're, 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 they've got their board there and they've got the planchette and everybody is touching the planchette. Now, the way I've learned it is only the medium touches the planchette because otherwise, you, if, and if there's anybody who's blocking uh, the progress in the room should actually be removed. Have you experienced a lot of people touching the planchette at one time? Yeah, I, I've done groups with everyone putting a hand on the planchette, but those are groups of people that are working witches. Yeah, so they wouldn't be blocking it. Right. Um, some of them may be new, but we're all on the same page about, you know, do our protection, take care of things. This is who we're contacting or what we're contacting. And someone skilled will clean up when we're done and make sure stuff is safe. Mm. So um, now, as a kid, I went to slumber parties and I was always one of the first ones that's like, ah, let's pull this out of the stack of board games. Uh, <laughs> stay up late and tell ghost stories. That was my thing. And sure, there. I mean, you know, a bunch of teenage kids looking to get freaked out at three in the morning, hopped up on soda and candy. 
that's what's going to happen. <laughs> and that's totally what did happen. And I had a great time doing that. Um, but because of my background, I viewed that as entertainment and not as, you know, divination. Um, mm. Not something deep and spiritual. Although sometimes stuff did come through and it was cool. Um, I definitely wasn't usually the one screaming just because I grew up where divination was normal. And, I, you know, I did my first exorcism when I was nine. So I've been there. <laughs> I've been there in the dark. Um, that's the entertaining part, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's the entertaining part. Watching scream. <laughs> totally. Um, but I also never felt that was dangerous. Even, mm. even when some of the other kids would think it was dangerous because of their beliefs or upbringings i would always you know don't worry you know we can we can make it safe that sort of thing um, you know and, and some people i would i would pray to their gods with them to make it safe whatever worked whatever worked mm -hmm. to make sure everyone felt safe in the process interesting thing i i've i've discovered about the planchette um some of the original planchettes actually had wheels on them when you could put a pencil in it oh yeah um, which crosses over to automatic drawing in a way mm -hmm. uh, i does seriously want to make a planchette like that and see what happens it's automatic drawing is one of the areas that i actually enjoy um so to actually have a planchette that moves around and does the drawing would be that would fantastic be now, just one person using the talking board, I've never experienced that, but I've never been with a seer who that's their preferred method. I've done mm. divinations where we have a guide and a seer or a translator and a seer or a magician and a seer, where it's just one person doing the divination bit, you know, and somebody else is guiding. But whether I've been that person or someone else has been that person, none of us have used a talking board as that medium because usually we're all picking whatever we want to use as the seer you know we're picking our own tool um because it's the one that will work best for what we're doing so i think mm. it's totally an option and would be wonderful i don't think there's anything wrong with it i just haven't experienced it mm. Um, Caleb said that uh, your board is beautiful. It is it, oh, that that you. that pendulum board is fantastic. Um, we haven't, you know, asking about geomancy. If, oh yeah, uh, I haven't used geomancy. I do geomancy. Um, the... Sorry, geomancy. <laughs> However you want it's to say my, it. So my so my necromancy and ne necromancy here. Yeah. Mm. Um. <laughs> I, I am not like super skilled at it. I've just been learning it the last four or five years and practicing with it. And I've explored uh, traditional geomancy where, you know, you lay out the, the mothers and the daughters and the nieces and then the judge and the counselors and everything else. And um, astrological geomancy, which I latched on to very easily because I was already an astrologer uh, when I picked it up. So I think they're, they're fascinating. There's something totally worth learning. If you want to learn geomancy, I highly recommend John Michael Greer's book on geomancy. I, I recommend almost all of his books because he's very straightforward and easy to understand. But his book, um, I will look it up and figure out what the title actually is. But if you put in John Michael Greer and geomancy, you'll find it. Um, starts from, I know nothing about this, to I can do full divinations. 
and it's a great instructional manual that includes all the stuff and can be used as a reference book to look up the meanings of the figures and, and all that stuff. And he goes into all the extra things uh, like the tracing the lines back and, and pointing figures and um, the overriding clocks and all of that sort of stuff. So excellent, excellent manual for figuring that stuff out. And let me just Google. Google, Google, Google. Google, Google, where are you? It's called The Art and Practice of Geomancy, Divination, Magic, and Earth Wisdom of the Renaissance by John Michael Greer. There you go, people. That's that's the the book I can heartily recommend. And this time it's not a two hundred dollar book. I didn't didn't mean to do that last time. <laughs> We're talking about things. And it accidentally recommended some out of print books. So <laughs> no. sorry. When no. we when we recommended a couple of weeks back, we've discovered it's nine hundred and something dollars yeah. now. My my apologies. Did not yeah. didn't check that. Hey, if you can afford it, go for it. Send me a copy as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, Andrea asked about the Zozo Demon. Um, I don't have any thoughts on the Zozo Demon. I think somebody just made it up. It's like Charlie Charlie thing. I don't know what it um, is. I've only heard about it recently, but what I've found out about it is, it's, I, think, I think somebody just really made it up. Um, it's apparently the demon of the Ouija board. Oh, yeah. No. Um, you know, you get. You might find that in 10, 20 years, if the trend continues, then there will be an egregore or something that will help along. But uh, I don't know. Uh, Lee has some amazing books, by the way. Thank you, Andrea. <laughs> yeah, I don't even like to call them Ouija boards because it's some no. some racist bullshit and some capitalist bullshit. So talking boards and spirit boards. Yeah, I but... prefer spirit board. No. Um, I can see we're going to go into a part three for divination. <laughs> well, I don't know. What else do we have to talk about? We kind of started talking candle about reading. candle reading. That's right. That's what we started talking about the end of last one. And then yeah. we ran out of time. Well, we've got yeah. a little less than 30 minutes. So. Mm. All right. So candle reading, there's two actually two ways of doing candle reading. One is how the candle burns, what direction the wax falls in, if it makes hooks, if it makes rolls. And there's all different uh, descriptions for each uh, thing like a hook it will could indicate an obstacle or if it becomes a mountain then it's a very big obstacle and a blockage if it creates a roll then it's usually the, the magic and the energy is getting wrapped up um so there's all these different ways scorpion the wax can actually fall. and cages scorpion tails betrayal yeah um but also the direction that it goes in and i think the direction it, it gets a bit more personal i mean for me if the wax flows into or away from me as I'm standing in front of the candle, then it's into the, the non-physical. If it's in front of me or towards me, it's into the physical area. If it's the left, it's the past. If it's the right, it's the future. So you kind of combine those interpretations. Um, 
but there's also candle dripping, which I haven't done yet. I keep wanting to do it, and I just don't. Um, but I find that very interesting, where you have a bowl of water, and all you do is you drip the candle into the water, and as it drops, it starts to form patterns. Very much like, like tea leaf reading, but in the water itself. Mm -hmm. I, like, I actually like that idea. I have done that. I have not found it to be inspiring and worth repeating but yeah. it's slow it is slow um I and it takes yeah. it takes some time um which might be excellent for some people um to get into that the trance state and you know they need that or they connect with it better um but what i really enjoy is egg divination where mm -hmm. you use the egg to either do the magical work or more often clean something like Olympia and then drop it into water, crack it open mm. into water and read that. And I think that's terribly fascinating um, and fits into that spell, post spell divination, I guess we would call that spell outcome. Mm. Uh, Rihanna wants to learn how to read coffee cups. Mm. Yeah. It's the same as teacup reading, really, isn't it? Yeah, tea leaves, coffee grounds. Mm. So, um, when I read tea leaves, of course, drink the tea, um, leave a little bit in the bottom, and then swirl the cup. I do three times this way, counterclockwise. <laughs> I don't know my directions. I have to think about it. Three times this way, <laughs> put the saucer on top, flip the whole thing upside down, and at that point, the handle should be over here on the left and if i want to read about the past i turn it towards the bottom to the right and if i want to read about the future i turn it towards the top to the right and then i uh, take the cup off and read what's in the cup um, there will be a bunch of stuff left on the saucer and i've always been taught not to read that that's what was taken away to reveal the information how i mm. i learned it but i know some people that read what's on the saucer as the past and what's in the cup as the future or what's on the saucer as the root of what's happening and what's in the cup as the outcome and i know some people that only read the saucer they don't read the cup so mm. you know a lots of options there how do you make the tea because I, I can just imagine going off and making a cup of tea with a tea bag. It's not going to work. Well, if all you have is a tea bag, just break the tea bag open and dump it in the cup. Yeah, because all the herb needs to be in the cup. Yeah, it needs to be loose leaf tea. You do not strain it or anything. You just put it all in the cup. Um, mm -hmm. and same for coffee grounds. Um, you need to brew the coffee in the cup with the grounds in the cup. Um, so that's that's part of the process some people have specific formulas they use um, mugwort teas and um, chamomile is popular of course regular camellia sinensis tea um, mint is also popular i will say i don't think it works well with fresh herbs and i only like fresh mint tea i don't like dried mint tea so <laughs> but um you know it just I don't know they don't they don't make pictures very well they just make giant clumps <laughs> and the same for 
very large leaves in your tea. Um, like I have a really beautiful smoked Japanese green tea that has pieces of bamboo in it. Tasty as hell. Giant fucking particles. And I cannot read with it because it's just huge things. I don't see any distinction. Um, so the gra grainy stuff would be a lot easier. I usually, <laughs> if I'm going to do divination, I stick my tea in the mortar and pestle and I grind it while I pray to start mm. the divination, then brew it, then read it. That's what I like to do, but fine particles help. Um, definitely. They, you will get more shapes, more distinction of shapes. And even when you're drinking a big cup, like huge, it, the images are still pretty small. Uh, so, you know, you want fine stuff. And um, I had a granny that read tea leaves and she kept a magnifying glass around her neck for sewing and everything else. But she always read through the magnifying glass when she read tea leaves because mm. everything was so small. So. Yeah, Andrea once Andrea said, uh, or Nan said, if you read GNT with lemon and ice, um, I can I can I can do divination with GNT. If you, <laughs> if you feed me enough, I can tell anybody's future. <laughs> I, I unfortunately do that when I drink wine, which is why I don't drink in community <laughs> settings anymore because that whole don't say it they don't need to hear it filter seems to drop off somewhere <laughs> and the ability to turn off the constant stream of information also drops off somewhere and that's a bad combo <laughs> that's, yeah. that's when you get into big trouble oh yeah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh rihanna asked if there's any books you can recommend on tea leaf reading yeah um and i suppose there's any books on on uh coffee cups no i would say coffee and tea are the same thing same thing yeah i don't know of any books off my head off the top of my head but i would point you to Catherine iron road and lucky mojo curio company um she has massive amounts in the lucky mojo archives of folklore and i know she's at least got some good pages on tea leaf reading and coffee ground reading i don't know if she has a book on it um but all the stuff i learned was from my granny um i put that in quotes because she was like my fifth grandmother adopted <laughs> into the family no blood relation but i have mm -hmm. a lot of those people in my life um so but she was the one who read tea leaves when i was a kid and taught me to do it so but it's difficult to get Catherine Ironwood books here. Um, you have to order them. I don't even think they're on Amazon most of the time. You have to order them directly from a site. Uh, Rihanna, I'll tell you what, we'll make tons and tons of money on Puppet House, and then we'll go and buy tons and tons of books from uh, Lucky Mojo. Yeah, but um, she has wonderful archives there and a big... Um, collection of folk magic so there's plenty of information to be had without buying a book um, mm -hmm. just go go looking through things make judicious use of the search box but i don't know of any books really i don't know that's not a popular well, I one guess, yeah i guess it's, it's a fairly straightforward technique um but at the end of the day, also the interpretations would then become similar to doing dream interpretations. Um, you know, the yeah. patterns and the images you see would be personal uh, to actually read 
the patterns themselves. Um, yeah, so it's just lots and lots of practice. Yeah. We'll be drinking lots and lo lots and lots of tea and coffee. Uh, you're still saying what Andrea's thinking. Sorry. <laughs> We're on the same page. I mean, that's good things. Good things. <laughs> now, can you do it with hot chocolate? That's the question. <laughs> if you leave some stuff in the bottom, sure. Oh, yeah. I could do that with my... Uh... My uh, mocha. There's lots of froth in that one. Yeah, that's a good idea. I I have a, a chai tea blend that I like to shake into my hot chocolate. That's you know cinnamon and nutmeg and cardamom and uh, allspice mm. and that sort of thing. And it leaves gunk in the bottom of my cup. So mm. I use that. All right then. Well, it's I think we've been on for two hours, haven't we? Yep. Yeah, just over two hours. Um. Andrea keeps keeps pushing my book. Thank you, Andrea. <laughs> very sweet. <laughs> yes, I like my hot chocolate. Thank you, Rihanna. You're just jealous because you want some as well. All right, then. Anything you want to actually talk about before we go? Oh, I do have two more things on my list. I'm, I'm looking over my list of all the things I've scribbled down. So combining divination methods. Um, yes. I think it's super helpful, especially when you already know one method and you want to learn another, is to combine them together. So I will do a divination like a tarot spread, for example, and lay it out and feel like maybe I'm not super solid on some areas. So then I will pull out my pendulum and my questions to my pendulum will be about my understanding. Um, or sometimes I will do like a, a divination, say I, I throw my bones and I do my reading. Then I might ask an orary question that is, did I receive all of the information that I needed? Did I understand everything I needed to from that divination? So divination for a divination or putting mm -hmm. them together. I know lots of people do things like they do a tarot spread and then they also pull an oracle card to go with it, to communicate some other information. Um, a lot of times if I'm doing uh, pendulum readings, I will use a tarot card as a timing technique. So I can tell what time the reading is about, where it is in the timeline of experience and jumping timelines. So there's lots of different ways to put multiple divination systems together, um, especially for that check, did I get it? Did I understand you? Sometimes it's easier to go in another direction. Um, I do have some like big, huge tableaus that I do with tarot, especially when it comes to spell work. And I usually go back over each card with my pendulum and pull extra information out of each card in each position with my pendulum. So, you know, there's... So cross-checking as well. Yeah, cross-checking, putting stuff together, you know... Um, you can, you can combine a lot of things, um, but like Lee said earlier, get your understanding solid before you start going off into the woods. The mm. woods are great. There's a lot out there, but you need to have your shoes on first, kind of thing. So. Mm. Andrea's moaning because it's not two hours yet. <laughs> okay, it almost is all right. <laughs> Lee's always ready to uh, go. 
He's had his hot chocolate and he's done with me. Give me a shit. Um, Andrew also asked, uh, why, why can I read and help other people, but not myself? It's probably that personal connection. It's mm -hmm. difficult sometimes to do, but even to do magic for yourself, because you have that, that it's, it's you. Um, so it's usually a lot easier to do something for other people because you haven't got the same connection. You obviously have a connection, but not the same. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's a skill you got to learn. It's a mm. skill you have to learn to um, get out of your own way. Disconnect. Yeah. Disconnect. And it is not an easy skill. And it is not a skill that everyone masters. So I think one way to develop it is through meditation and actually um, becoming the observer. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it allows you to actually pull away from yourself and actually watch and observe instead of um, interacting so much. And it, then you can take that into your magic and divination and everything else. Yeah. yeah. Meditate, practice, um, losing lust for result and other forms of magic and journal and give yourself time. Mm. You know, write everything down and don't try to interpret it at the time. Go back later when you've had emotional distance. But it takes it practice. Is. It takes a lot of practice. Yeah, it does. Miss B said thank you. It's a pleasure. Right. What's the other thing you wanted to talk about? Um, why divinations can be wrong. Okay. So. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. This comes up a lot in client reader relationships. Um, so when we are divining, we're reading symbols, right? You know, the tarot is symbolic. Astrology is symbolic. Even when I read bones, it's, it's symbols, it's ideas, it's big concepts. It's not on Tuesday, stop. You will experience stop. A large mind-blowing thing stop you know <laughs> so on and so forth right um although the pendulum and the talking board sometime work like that but symbolic divination um we talk a lot about the planets do not compel they impel and tarot the cards are not the cause the cards are not literally telling you they are communication device so it's like, you know, blaming your keyboard for the words it spells. Mm. But what this means is that symbols are short language. It's like reading emojis. They can mean a lot of things. It depends on context. And often they are based on cycles. They are based on previous experiences. You learn your own symbol language with the universe. And when you're reading for someone else, you got to kind of speak their symbol language, not just your own, which means you have to know what their cycles were previously when that symbol set came up. Because they're not a cause, they're just synced cycles. So XYZ happens, this symbol set comes up, that's what they mean. But over here, that symbol set is coming up for someone else, and it means this. It means something different. Same symbol set means something different for different people. 
So a lot of times in especially reader-client relationships, the reader doesn't know enough of the client symbol set to be able to put them together. And when you're starting early on in divination, you probably don't know enough of your own symbol set to put it together. You know, five words out of a 600-word language, you know? So cycles and repeated cycles and how those symbols manifest for you through those cycles is what really is at the heart of divination. Finding the matching sets and translating between the languages. So mm. I think a lot of times when readings are wrong, it's because we substituted the wrong symbol set. Um, you know, because like, you know, the tree comes up in the Lenormand. That um, means a couple of different things depending on what's going on. The Page of Cups comes up in a tarot reading. That means a couple of different things, depending on what's going on. If you pick the wrong one, especially with cups or court cards, they, it can really be very, very different. And then if you do that repeatedly, <laughs> you can get way off track. You know, so mm -hmm. that that is something that takes some practice and I want to really encourage people that are starting with divination to not be discouraged when they get it wrong because it takes time and repeating the mistakes and going over things again and again to eventually get it right. I mean, when mm. we first learn to talk as babies, we don't just have full sentences. We repeat things back and forth. We pick up one or two words at a time, you know, and, and we don't have grammar together very well. You know, we're just mimicking things. And that's how divination is when it first starts. We don't really have full sentences. We don't really have everything together. So don't be discouraged that your divinations are turning out wrong early on. Um, you just, you haven't figured out the language yet. Keep going and don't assume that because the interpretation you took from it means the reading was wrong the cards mm. are still there or the chart is still there or the bones are still there that's why you got to record everything you may figure out later looking back that this absolutely was the correct answer to your question you just picked through it incorrectly yeah um andrew asked uh everyone has their own symbolism like with dreams yeah exactly so i was said said last week you know one person or two people can dream uh, about a wedding but person a has just been through a terrible divorce and person b has just gone into a very blissful marriage so they're going to have completely different interpretations and that will change throughout their life as well and they'll have different experiences for the different for the different symbolism um so it's, yeah, it's the same thing at the end of the day. And I don't think everyone has their completely unique own symbolism. It's still influenced by culture. Mm -hmm. um, it's still influenced by your everyday life and, and your cultural shared experience with other people. So there are some universal symbols, not really universal, but culturally wide symbols. You may relate to it in a different way. You may have a slightly different spin on it, but it's going to be a loud symbol in the culture you grew up in. 
Whereas someone over here that has a different culture that's not a loud symbol or it doesn't come across the same way. The one that usually comes to mind is white is for weddings in Western culture, but in Japan, white is the color of death. Mm. You know, so that's a cultural thing. So, yes, your own, you have your own unique symbolism that is yours and how you relate to it, just like I have my own way of speaking of putting things together, of word choices that I go back to again and again, the way I use language. But I also have the English language in common with other people that use it in different ways. Mm -hmm. That say necromancy mm -hmm. or, or whatever you say. Instead of <laughs> necromancy. <laughs> necromancy, yeah. Right, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I like it, okay. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Neither of us are wrong. And we're speaking the same mm. language and we understand each other, but we're different. So mm. I really see that's how symbolism works. Yeah. But I mean, with the tarot also, there's a, there's a base symbolism you start with. Yeah. Then you've got cultural symbolism and then you've got personal symbolism. Yeah. The tarot is a system. Um, modern tarot is a system that was specifically designed for divination within a certain worldview. And you should learn that. You should figure out what the authors were trying to say, um, you know, and learn those basics. But once you've got that down, you're going to find that you don't 100% agree with every single thing. You're going to meet this is a little here and this is a little here and this makes me feel this, you know. And especially if you are not from the culture that Tarot is from, a lot of it won't make sense because um, yeah. you won't have that background. Um, but you should still learn what the original authors had to say and make sure you understand that so you know what they were trying to communicate through those symbols. And then you may decide to find an author that has a much closer symbol set to your own. Mm. All right. Well, I think we're going to finish now because we're definitely two hours in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we, we have got a bit of a change this week. Uh, we're going to have an outro screen. So if you want to stay in the chat and just chat with us, then uh, you can do that. Um, but otherwise, we'll see you next week. And I'm not sure what we're talking about next week because we didn't actually discuss it. <laughs> well, we had on the slot, you had brought up karma and dogma and reincarnation. Oh, yes. Yeah, karma because that was uh, Rach's um, uh, question in my comments a while back. All right, so we'll do that. Karma, reincarnation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Not sure what we'll call it, but something we'll it like... Something, something interesting. Yes. Something interesting. Uh, that's, but that could just be the title every week. The Black Hat Chat, something interesting. Something interesting. Here <laughs> we are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my mug's that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> all right so if you go to the description you will find lots of links uh you can join the uh facebook group wildwood temple or you can go to patreon.com forward slash blackout chats or buymeacoffee.com forward slash blackout chat and as mentioned earlier we are adding tiers and uh, depending on the response uh, immediately now, then we'll either start at the beginning of August or we will start 
at the uh, beginning of September. Um, oh, it's got somebody praying for us again. Thank you so much. Always appreciate and everyone's prayers. I project curses, wars, fights, and destructions to against all demons and their worshippers by the mightiest name of God. Okay. It's a bit insulting to uh, what I follow, but anyway. Um, all right. Yes, so we are going to be back next week. Uh, check out the links. And uh, we're going to go into the outro now. We're going to fade out. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for joining us today in the Black Hat Chat. Have a look in the description of this podcast or in the About section for all of our links and tune in next week for another exciting chat.